And we're back, slinging quack, uh, recording this on November 9th. The world is still here. Uh, I'm Rusty Ryan, joined by our special guest who's filled in a few times for Sean, um, who is still uh, in great demand at his place of employment, uh, which has kind of caused some of these scheduling issues that we have. Um, So... Uh, yeah, before this podcast, we went through uh, the last few years of Oregon recruiting. You know, we had this, we had this whole outline. We should just go over some of these highlights real fast. So, like, if we I, look at, I just found a really good one. Okay. Can I Benoit not rated in two thousand thirteen? Really? Wow. <laughs> All right, so yeah. let's let's take a look at like. Uh, Okay, check this out. Which one was the year that had just the ballers on it? Was that uh, 20? I think it was 2013. That was 2013? Okay, yeah. oh, oh, oh. Uh, okay, so here's 2011. D'Anthony Thomas, who apparently is a four-star on ESPN.com. Get out of here. Uh, it's D'Anthony Thomas, uh, Devin Blackman, Takoy Sumler... Andre Y, Anthony Wallace, B.J. Kelly, Tyson Coleman, Ifo, Christian French, Colt Lyerla. I just gave a look for anyone who, for everybody who's not watching this podcast right now. Tower Johnstone, Jacob Fisher, Trick Carson, who was like the human victory cigar for a while. Marcus Mariota, two stars out of Honolulu, St. Louis High School. Who was only out? He he was lower than everybody except for Rashawn Vaughn and Jared Ebert. So I guess to put context to this, we were looking through recruiting rankings. Um, and, and no we context. Both, no context. We were both pleasantly surprised that we have four, or sorry, seven four stars currently committed uh, verbally to in, in a class of twenty seventeen, um, and we were wondering how that compared to years past. And so we just went on a pleasant little trip down memory lane. Um, man, some of these guys, it, it's always fun watching recruiting rankings from the past because you get fond memories of guys that did really well. And then you get the, what the hell happened to that guy? Yeah. <laughs> Exhibit a exhibit a, from the recruiting class of 2012, the same one that brought us Eric Armstead, Byron Marshall, Braylon Addison, Dwayne Stanford, Evan Big Bayless. Which one? Which one did you I say? Oh. Uh, Farrell Brown, Alex Bonducci, DeForest Buckner, uh, and Brett Buffero. Who is Brett Buffaro? <laughs> Who is this guy? Like, I, I just... This guy's wearing a backwards hat in his ESPN stuff. Uh, he hey, left man. Oregon in 2014 in the spring. If you're a high school football stud, you got the whole world ahead of you, you wear that backwards hat. You do you. So, it's been an interesting week uh, in... Duck Sports. We got basketball season starting. 
Everybody's looking forward to that. Basketball season. Because we just played USC in football, and it did not go so well. It could have gone better. Could have gone better. There were moments of uh, promise, albeit few and far between. Uh, Schooler had some pretty good plays. Got one pick. Uh, I think he had his hands on two others, albeit one that had uh, where we got called on defensive PI, which was a ridiculous call, but which was we're not getting dumb. into that. Um, Schooler also, he got to be made to look real dumb uh, on one of the long runs, long touchdown runs, when he had to tackle in space. Um, but uh, you know, there, there were some positives. Juju Smith-Schuster didn't really do anything of note, and that's pretty um, significant. He's it's probably one cool. of the best receivers in the country. Uh, but other than that, didn't go great. No, not great, Bob. Um, it was it was difficult because you could see. Um, like the last few weeks especially the freshmen did not play like freshmen and this last week they looked like freshmen especially on the offensive line where it was just the experience on defense even USC's D though was like really young but they were like four and five star guys and just mauled our offensive line which is why almost all of our plays were screens yeah, um, you know, there's only so much you could do when the defensive line is in your is right up in your grill two seconds after the snap. That's uh, it's it's asking a lot of a true freshman quarterback to to direct an offense with that much pressure, uh, which is good because this upcoming week we've got Staff Nardo coming in. And they, I believe, lead the 12 in sacks. Um, run a whole bunch of stunts. Run a whole bunch of twists on the D-line. So it'll be interesting to see um, how they come back from what, in my opinion, was probably one of the, probably to me, the most disheartening loss of the season. Um, I mean, Obviously, the loss against UW is horrible, and I hate them with the entirety of my being. But the the couple weeks prior, leading up to the USC game, I thought we showed some real promise. We showed some fight in the Cal game. We actually got a Pac-12 win, conference win against Arizona State. Um, you know, I. I felt like we we had a fighting chance in the USC game, albeit kind of slim, and it didn't really work out. So it'll be interesting to see how how we come back from this. Yeah, but I also think USC is probably one of like the hottest teams in the country right now. USC so hot right now, um, but. Like, with Sam Darnold, the quarterback, he made a bunch of really good plays. Oregon got off to a really, really bad start. Um, 
And like when, when the offense goes three and out on the first three drives, you're going to have a bad time. So, because USC jumped out to like a 21 to 3, no, no, no. It was like 17 to 3 lead at one point. And, uh, yeah. Really tough to come back from that. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, at some point, um, the game definitely was out of reach. Um, we did have opportunities to to get back in the game. I'm thinking, especially last couple minutes of the second quarter, we had some drop balls. Um, I know Darren Carrington dropped his first target of the day, where he just burned a cornerback. Could have probably raced in the end zone. He would have, yeah. Um, and you know those type of plays when you're probably outmatched in terms of talent, you need to execute on those plays in order to be able to win and just didn't happen um but we're coming back to eugene it's against stanford who admittedly has not had the most wonderful year themselves no they're bad so we'll see i mean that i i don't really know what to say about this team i feel like every every week is uh we'll see you know, at, at yep. this point, just, I just want to see growth. I, I want to see improvement and growth, especially from the young guys. Um, I hope that the older guys don't check out. And we'll see. I don't think they will. Um, I mean, some of them have uh, draft statuses to keep up. Um, but I've actually been really kind of surprised with the level of fight that's in like a lot of these players because they could easily have just like shipped it in but those guys are playing hard it's like you can say they're yeah. out coached or they're just not executing or whatever but they're they're playing hard every time for a, as much heat that the program got for the 30 to 40 percent of people who don't care i think that is really really on the high side yeah, and you know that that quote has been dissected to death. I mean, it's who knows. It, you really need to be able to be with the program day in and day out and watch practice and all that to to be able to really know who's who's giving it their all in practice where it really matters. Because um, it you know it's easy to show up for a game. Yeah. It's it's harder to show up five, six days a week for a practice. Um, but you're right. I mean, I've, even the USC game, um, even when that game was pretty much out of reach, you still saw backups getting in and, and, and fighting, even if they were probably overmatched. So who knows, man? I mean, Stanford, in Eugene at Autzen, it's a 1 p.m. kick. Hopefully, it'll be a good crowd. I mean, it's it's our last home game of the year, believe it or not. So that's crazy. It's nuts, man. I, I feel like the football season just started, and it's almost already almost over. Um, and it, it better be loud because if we want to make a bowl, you got to win. Stanford. You got to win at Utah, and you need to win the Civil War. 
Three good games. We'll see. Three good games. Um, you know what's been impressive too is that Autzen is loud. Against Arizona State, it got pretty loud. It sounded like that on the TV. I mean, admittedly, I'm out of state now, um, so I can't I can't go to Austin, which is horribly depressing. Uh, but it sounded like like that crowd was really into it um, when we played Arizona State. So, I mean, you you just gotta appreciate the guys that are giving it their all and and support them. There's really nothing else you could do. Yeah. And see what what I like with my uh, with my what you see I always just say like volt covered glasses like what's what's Oregon's ridiculous color sparkly sparkly white colored glasses is but looking at the Stanford game is that Stanford's offense is just awful. Like, it is bad. Like, they, they keep going back and forth between... Uh, they have one guy. They keep going... There's, like, Christ, who is... One, who's been one of their starters. Um, I was just writing about that earlier today. You know, you would know better than, than I, because admittedly, I have not watched one single down of Stanford football thus far this season. Okay, okay. And, I can't really say I'm disappointed in that. It's bad. Um, so they have been starting. They started Ryan Burns through the beginning of the year, and he played okay, but uh, against Arizona, Killer Christ, who's a junior, um, took over. So in his two games against at Arizona and hosting Oregon State. He's thrown for 227 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Against Oregon State, they scored a total of 26 points. He was 10 of 17 for 60 yards with his long of 16. Not great. Not great. Um, So, I mean, they're going to be... Entirely one-dimensional, and this is a. Oh man, it is late when we're recording this. Um, when Oregon is able to keep a team one-dimensional, even like against Cal last year, where Cal strength was throwing the ball, Oregon was able to shut down their rushing attack, and so Cal just had to keep throwing it. So even if Stanford is forced to run the ball, even though that's their strength, Oregon's defense is going to do significantly better, even though they've struggled against the run all year, because they know like what they can plan for. like They they know what's coming. Yeah, and especially with all the young guys that we have on defense. Um, I mean, Troy Dye, Schooler, Malik Levette has been getting a, a bunch of time at cornerback yeah. uh, last couple, couple games. Um, Apelu at linebacker. I, I mean, I could go on and on with the young guys. Anytime you can make it as simple as possible for those guys, it's going to help them out. So hopefully that 
the way the game plays out plays into our hands a little bit. You know, hopefully we can jump out to a lead. Um, I don't really know what else to say about this game. I mean, we just I just want to see improvement, and I'd like to see the seniors go out with a win. I mean, I can't imagine the ovation that Farrell Brown is going to get on, on senior night. That's going to be a pretty big deal. So, Yeah, he's going to be an NFL draft pick. Oh, yeah. I think second day, which is the second and third round now. I mean, he's big. He's relatively fast. He's got hands. He can block. He's not. I wouldn't say he's great at blocking, but he's. He can. He can block every now and then. Um, he's kind of. He's. He could be a pretty decent NFL player. Yeah, he's. He's more of one of the. Uh, what they call like a Y tight end, which is really just a really big receiver like Jimmy Graham. Who like, did okay on Monday night? So. Who what? Who he did okay on Monday night. Yeah, or uh, Aaron Hernandez, but minus killing people. Oh. The craziest part about the Aaron Hernandez cases is, like, the timestamps of, like, when certain events occurred. Like, he killed people at, like, 4 in the morning and then showed up to, like, play Florida football, like, on Saturday mornings. (laughs) Or, Or, like, eight hours later was playing for the Patriots, and it's like, what is happening? Um, so, but... In contrast, Pharaoh Brown does not kill people. That we know of. That we know of, <laughs> exactly. Except on the field when he stiff arms Arizona State Sun Devils right in the dirt. God, he is so good at stiff arming. I love it so much. So let's look ahead a little bit. Um, and I don't necessarily want to talk about our remaining schedule of Stanford, Utah, and OSU. Uh, what I want to talk about is a little bit more long term. The uh, report that generous, wonderful human being Phil Knight wants to pay upwards of $10 million a year for a head coach in order to get a national championship, which, by the way, would make said head coach uh, among the highest paid coaches in all of football, not just college football, all of football. Yeah. That's. That's more than Bill Belichick makes. How much does Bill Belichick make? Let's check because I want to be I want I want to be exactly correct. Yeah. And of course, the first thing when I type it into Google is Bill Belichick Trump letter. <laughs> of course, Wait. of course. Seven and a half million dollars is what Bill Belichick makes. You know, I'd I'd be fine with uh, I'd be fine with Bill Belichick as our coach. So, here's um, here's what I want from you. I want top three coaches or people don't even necessarily need to be coaches <laughs> that you would bring into the Oregon football program for ten million dollars a year. And this is an exercise in the hypothetical, assuming that Helfrich is not uh, retained. Um, he did have one of my favorite quotes. Uh, in, that was so funny. That. <laughs> response to that, what he said, I take it that 10 million is not for me. <laughs> and, and, 
if you can laugh at yourself, <laughs> man. Oh my god, that was right, so, so funny. So give me give me your top three, and tell me why. Patton. He's the motivator. Patton. Yeah. Like the dead, the dead general from yeah. World War Two. Yeah. Or the guy right. who played him in the movie. Same person. Okay. I'm kidding. Um, well, the first one would be in in a dream world. It would be Saban, but Saban turned down ten million a year at Texas. So, because why leave where you're already killing it to like rebuild something else? He's old, anyways. Um, Urban Meyer, um, but he, Ohio State's his dream school, so he's not gonna leave there for even if we like put a Papa John's inside the the Death Star building. We'll give you all of your sad pizza. <laughs> yeah. Um, Harbaugh would be good. Because he's, think, he's awesome. He's so entertaining as a coach. I don't think fans would embrace Harbaugh. I, I think there's just some like disconnect, but I don't. I don't think it would really work culturally. Yeah, maybe. maybe. But he—he's very midwestern. Um, here's one that I was thinking of. Okay. And uh, it's a little bit out of left field. All right. But I think it has a culture fit. Sean Payton of the New Orleans Saints. Oh. He only makes around eight million dollars a year right now. Only makes. We could we could bump that up a couple mil. High flying offense, albeit he likes to run under center, which is not really what we do. Uh, he already doesn't play defense, <laughs> yeah. so he's a good fit there. I don't know, man. I'm just saying. I'm just talking out loud. I'm just talking out loud. Other than that. I don't Pete know. Carroll, Pete Carroll, and just troll the entire Pac-12 conference. <laughs> I honestly, I could see Pete Carroll being a good, a good fit. Honestly, there, there, if we got Pete Carroll, I would laugh fan. my ass off. In terms of college coaches, though, I'm not really sure about a really good fit. Um, Pete Carroll makes eight million I mean, a year in Seattle. Ed Orgeron, I don't think fits. No. Les Miles doesn't fit, especially. And, and and I don't like Les Miles as a coach, anyways. How do you have Zach Mettenberger, uh, Odo Beckham Jr. Um, who else did he have? Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson, and there was a running back that he had who was amazing, and they were all on the same team at the same time, and he like. Didn't do anything with them. Spencer Ware. But if you want to be entertained, you get less miles. Yeah, um, if you love drama, it's it's like Lane Kiffin. Like it's he's awesome, unless he's like dealing directly with your team. I just I just don't look around the country and see a whole lot of coaches that really fit. Um, I mean, Charlie Strong is never going to come here. Everybody is going to say, "Oh, we should get Tom Herman," but he. A, he's probably not leaving Houston, and B, if he is, it's going either either Texas or LSU. Um, you know, 
Justin Fuentes just signed a contract with Virginia Tech. A lot of people have been talking about PJ Fleck recently, and we do I, have I'm, the river on campus. I, I'm not on that train, man. We like, do have the river on campus, though. It, he could row his boat in the Willamette River all all day long, but I don't know about the ability to 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 go from Western Michigan to to Oregon and and still be successful. Yeah, he's a really good recruiter, but I don't know. I'm who knows, man. They're, there are people that are paid a lot of money to, to make these decisions. And if it's true that Phil Knight wants uh, to pay $10 mil a year, more power to him. Uh, I still don't even necessarily believe the report because of how hands-off that Uncle Phil has historically been with coaches and coaching changes and so on and so forth. So yeah, Probably until he's suddenly not. Probably yeah. hands off, and then every one day he's like, you know what, f it, Just blow it up, because his opinion is the only one that really matters at the end of the day. Yep. So. Yeah. I mean, um, really, whatever he decides to do, uh, if you're in the athletics leadership, you say, yes, thank you, Mister Knight. Oh man. Um, also, so. There's really only like a few coaches who I think are even worth ten million, which are pretty much all the ones that we just went over. Um, anybody else? It's just like just overkill. What would be better would just be to bring on like the best coordinators and a lot of position coaches. Like Maybe Alabama has like twenty position coaches on staff. By each player, there's like one coach for every like three to four players. And they have offensive consultants like Steve Sarkeesian, who's a former head coach. Maybe that's what uh maybe that's what Darren Ravel meant is that he was willing to pay ten million a year for the entire coaching staff. Um, because Darren Ravel is a terrible writer. Darren Ravel just... is a human press release feed. <laughs> All he does is write is, is just publish press releases. That's all he does. That is his only job. And tweeting out hot dog prices at ballparks. Some some random some, some random loser at a ballpark or like a or like a stadium could just tweet out like pictures of fries and put a price on it, and it, it would get the exact same effect as Darren Ravel. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> Him, I just remember. The, the thing that really sums up Darren Ravel to me, out of all the things you could choose from, is in the lead-up to this past year's Super Bowl, they had a little feature with him on SportsCenter about how he was prepping for the Super Bowl. Oh, and my was, God. He was drafting all these tweets and had just, like, six screens in front of him. He was getting all excited about uh, sponsorship numbers and... And what happens with the first commercial? And uh, oh man, like the joy on this man's face about getting a scoop about a soda was so funny. I mean, he's more more power to him. Keep cashing them checks, but not for me. He reminds me of people like who find like this health craze 
and then just like push it to the max and act like it's this big thing when it's not. He's the advocate guy. Or like toxins people. <laughs> <laughs> We're detoxifying our lives. It's like no, this is dumb. There's no such thing as toxins. <laughs> Name me a chemical compound of a toxin. <laughs> Uh, okay. In brighter news, uh, mo- moving away from football a little bit, Oregon had a basketball game this week, albeit yeah. an exhibition. Uh, but I'd say it went well, considering that at one point we were up twenty-eight to two over Northwest Christian University. Yeah. Yeah, um, you, you texted me that, and like a couple plays later, it was like thirty to six. Cancel the season. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We let them go on a run. It, it, we really need to figure that out. We should just we should just fire Altman and start from scratch. But uh, basketball season, it, it's actually refreshing to have the Oregon fan base in general be looking forward to a basketball season. Because I remember when I first moved to Oregon, you really couldn't – I mean, everybody always loved Oregon football. But at least to me – it seemed like Eugene was an equal football and basketball town. I mean, that was back when we had the two Lukes um, a little oh, bit before yeah. that. And you would go to Matt Court, and it was just full every game. And people were excited about Oregon basketball. It feels like we're getting back to that, uh, which is really nice to see because we, we lost that for a little bit there. Um when, you know, in between firing Ernie Kent because he recruited once every four years uh, and moving to the new facility, which personally I really like Matthew Knight Arena. Mm -hmm. I just think the timing of that move didn't work out because the fans' first, uh, first experience in that arena was with an admittedly just poor product. The basketball teams were not good. But it feels like finally digging out of that hole. Altman has consistently overachieved in expectations, which is going to be really hard to do this year because we're top five in the country in preseason polls. Yeah. We've got good recruiting. I mean, we just signed a guy who is the number. uh, He's committed, I, I guess not signed, but verbally committed number five small forward in the country who committed to Oregon uh, over the likes of Kansas, over the likes of Ohio State, Georgetown, Arizona, UNLV, and he's from Las Vegas. Um, I mean, things are looking up for this program. We've got a pipeline, and we have a really fun schedule. Uh, this year, at least in terms of non-conference, we played Baylor, Georgetown, uh, in the Maui Invitational, either Tennessee or Wisconsin. That's a fun game. We play Alabama, which, I mean, we've always said we want Bama. <laughs> Roll Tide, y'all. Uh, and then the aforementioned UNLV. Uh, they're not a slouch of a program coming out of the Mountain West, so. It'll be a really interesting season, and I'm really excited to see what this team does. It's going to be so much fun. So Chris Boucher was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. That guy, 
is proportioned so weird. He, I don't think I've seen a human that looks like Chris Busey, but he makes it work. He's stroking threes. He's dabbing on them. I mean, good for him, man. He goes from barely playing basketball to JUCO to being on the cover of Sports Illustrated in what, like two years? Yeah, what am I doing with my life? Anything is possible. Yep, yep, that that is true. That is I mean, true. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Yes, uh, of course I always get up for Oregon football games, but, I mean, we play Army on Friday night, 8 p.m. in Eugene, and then we go straight to Baylor. So it'll be it'll be a fun season, hopefully. Mm-hmm. It's uh, so. How do we feel about Dylan Brooks and his foot injury? Um, it gives me pause because foot injuries are one of those things that can linger. Yeah, um, it's like an ankle injury for a football player. Yeah, and they can really affect everything that you do. I mean, a couple years ago when Kevin Durant had his foot injury. He really wasn't the same for a good year and a half until he was fully recovered. Um, At the same time, as much as I think Dylan Brooks is really influential on our team and a very good player, we've got depth. Oh my God, it's unreal. Tyler Dorsey can stroke it. Boucher is good down low. Jordan Bell is good down low. Jordan Bell. I love him. We have I love that guy so much. We, we knew uh, Juco, uh, the reigning Juco number one player of the year, who took a, over that mantle from Chris Boucher and Cavell Bigby Williams, um, who is another post player. So we could go three deep in the post if we want to go real big. Um, and then you have Dylan Ennis, Tyler Dorsey. All these people are so good. Superstar freshman to be Peyton Pritchard. Uh, I think Keith Smith is another uh, another freshman who could give us some minutes, depending on how how the roster shakes out. Um, who's he's, he's? I mean, he's another forward. He's six seven out of Seattle. Um, I mean, we got depth, man. We, we can we can legit run eight, nine guys out there. And I didn't even mention Casey Benson, who, albeit, is not flashy, but he made some really key plays down the stretch last year in the tournament. Yeah. I love... Jordan Bell's play is really epitomized in, like, the 10 minutes against Duke where Oregon just went on a tear, and it looked like Duke had no business even being on the court. Like, I remember I mean, there was like a Jordan Bell block on one end and then he just slams it on the other end and then he comes back and there's like a huge block Jordan Bell throws a pass it's a slam comes back down Jordan Bell blocks like a couple plays later it's a slam and Oregon scores like 18 points our forwards are just athletic freaks in their own special way like Boucher is not a normal human being Jordan Bell is not a normal human being um, we can run those guys out there and just pound other teams into submission if we want to. Now, I don't think that's what our offense is going to be. It's going to be 
pace and space, um, you know, setting screens and running those little hooks over the top that Allman likes to run. Um, but, but if you wanted to, we have the bodies to just dump it down to the post, camp out on the wing, and wait for a pass out of a double team. Right. I mean, there are, there's a lot of different options that you can run with. So, should be exciting. There's a lot going on in uh, in Duck Athletics right now, man. A lot up in the air, but I think a lot of a lot of promise within the next couple of years, and and for this year for basketball, uh, a lot of young guys getting a lot of time, and hopefully winning championships. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see if with so many people kind of jumping off the football bandwagon what basketball attendance is going to look like because if people allot like a certain amount of money like every year for sports and they aren't spending it off I mean yeah that's true and it's a like I said before it's a good product I mean at least it's projected to be I mean you, you can't really complain about the non-conference schedule that we have set up plus a Pac-12 home slate and you're not even going to see the opponent anymore you're going to see a top five team in the Oregon Ducks I mean it's, it's not like it was four or five years ago where everybody would say oh yeah I'll go to the Arizona game because they're really good oh yeah you know, every game you're seeing a team that's really good. Yeah. Get your popcorn ready. Get your popcorn ready. All right. Well, that'll do it for us here at Sling and Quack. Uh, thanks for making it this far and for putting up with me uh, yawning a little bit because of how late we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, Just putting in those hours. We do yep. it for you. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah so uh, leave us a note in the comments um, let us know what you think uh, thanks so much again for making it to the very end here and uh, go Ducks